Struggling to understand why my faith doesn't calm me. I believe in something. Why am I so unsettled? I mean, you have nothing. You sleep like a stone. I write when I can't sleep. I wrote about you last night. Not you, specifically, not Clem. Although I'm assuming that's not your real name anyway. The role of mercenaries in the galactic struggle for freedom. My conclusion is simple. Weapons are tools. Those that use them are, by extension, functional assets that we must use to our best advantage. The Empire has no moral boundaries. Why should we not take hold of every chance we can? Let them see how an insurgency adapts. Seventy-seventh credit-crushing episode of Mandovision, Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small independent Star Wars podcast. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're back. Make sure you're following us on social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show MandovisionTom at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. How is everyone doing? It is it is day day. It is episode six of Andor, and it was it was as we expected. The the Aldhani heist comes to to the forefront, takes center stage, uh, takes takes the entire entire stage. Honestly, like ninety nine point nine percent of this episode is focused on Cassian and the plot on Aldhani, the heist. Uh, we get a little bit of the Imperial perspective in this one. Sit to see, meet the Commandant of the base. And, and really kind of explore more of that, that just, ooh, that, mm, just the terrible, terrible, terrible <laughs> perspective that the Imperials have on so many, many things. And we're going to talk about that a lot more in, in some bigger, bigger, bigger details uh, as we dive into the show proper. But what a, what a really great episode. I, I just want to put that out there right now. Spoilers for what I'm going to talk about soon. It's all positive, glowing, raving stuff because absolutely blown away with this episode floored there were moments where i where i audibly gasped and was like uh, i just they got me they got me on, on a couple different parts where it's like oh no hey ah all the sounds were coming out of my body not nah, that never mind scratch that just i was making sounds with my mouth that's the only part of the body that had sounds coming out of it and <laughs> just again this show continues to sort of uh, uh, uh transcend whatever sort of limits had been placed on Star Wars before it's, it's really doing a lot of different things it's working on so many different levels 
Uh, you know, if you want to just enjoy it on the surface, it is a great Star Wars story. If you want to pull apart the and, and dig into the metaphor and, and, and sort of like the mirror that it's holding up to, uh, you know, a lot of our reality, you can do that with this show. There's a lot there to, to, to kind of to, – there's a lot of meat on the bone. Let's put it that way. You can really, you can really feast yourself on this show. Uh, in this episode, we really get to get into it a little bit more. You know, last week we spent a lot of time uh, uh, getting to know some of our, our rebels on Aldhani who are getting ready to pull the heist off. And we get a little more depth and clarity on a couple members of the team in this episode. But as the mission unfolds, as things are kind of coming to, to a head. And, you know, I, th- I, th- I think on last week's episode, I was a bit reluctant to, to sort of label Nemec as, as like sort of the idealist, the dreamer kind of character. But I think he really puts, uh, he really puts a, a head on that pin uh, in this one with, with kind of who he is and his, his, his uh, again, idealistic beliefs in, in, in why uh, rebellion is so necessary in the face of tyranny and injustice. Uh, so again, we're going to talk about all these things in more detail on the other side of the of the conversation, or on the other side of the bumper. But let's go ahead and, and, and get the specifics out of the way. Andor episode six, the eye. Is it the eye? Like Martian Row, the eye? Probably not. <laughs> but hey, maybe those creative writers over there doing the High Republic will figure out a way to incorporate that into this eye. I don't know. Star Wars is a world of possibilities, and uh, there's some pretty uh, clever writers doing the High Republic. But I did think that that name sort of it struck an eye, it struck a it struck a uh, thought bubble in my head. It's like, oh, I wonder if someone's going to try and tie this together with Martian Rowe in the High Republic. But uh, you know, that remains to be seen. TBD on that one. We'll get back to you. All right. The original air date for this episode is, of course, today, October twelfth, two thousand twenty-two. Written once again by Dan Gilroy, expertly directed by Susanna White. Uh, our plot this week, I mean, it's it's the same old, same old, right? Let's just, you know, it's an, an incredible ensemble cast headed by Diego Luna uh, in, in this episode in particular. And, and and I think we'll just kind of call it there because it, without just reading through the entire cast list, I mean, I don't want to do a disservice to any one person because everybody plays their part so well in this episode. By all means, read those credits. These actors, no matter how small the part, how big the part, they really just chew it up and, and really give, give solid performances really bring their characters to life give their characters a lot of a lot of feel right like they make them very real in in a way that star wars is sometimes not and and that's okay we like our star wars like that but i like that this show is again i'm gonna use that word again it's very tactile this show has got a lot of grippy to it it's got the stick em, it's got the spider tack all those sports metaphors, if, if you don't care, those are sports metaphors. <laughs> Actually, they're sports items or products, but, but I'm, I'm alluding to sports, so there you go. <laughs> all right, the, the plot for this episode, with cover from a spectacular local festival, the Aldhani mission reaches a point of no return. And I think with that being said, it's time to go ahead and dive in and get funky with this show. We're, uh, I, I've sort of... Been going. To, I have a lot of notes here, things I want to talk about, like like little talking points. But I don't know if we're going to go as in depth with this one as we did last week, just because it's so action packed, it's so drama oriented. There's so much tension. The stakes are high. Everything's on there. I don't want to walk us through every single element of the plot necessarily, but I definitely want to hit on certain talking points. So I think it's time. If you're ready, I'm ready. We're going to play the tail end of that conversation. I guess the second half, really, of that conversation between Cassian and Nemec before we get into the show. But it's time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. Well, you're half right. The Empire doesn't play by the rules. And how am I wrong? 
They don't care enough to learn. They don't have to. You mean nothing to them. Perhaps I'll think differently tomorrow. Be careful what you wish for. So you think it's hopeless, do you? Freedom, independence, justice. We should just submit and be thankful. Just take what we're given. Do I look thankful to you? No. But I'm glad that you're here. No matter what the reason. Don't worry. You'll be fine. You'll sleep when it's done. So this is just a really strong opening between these two characters uh, as, as they really sort of, again, kind of dive into their thoughts, their feelings, Nimix, uh, his sort of trepidation, his nerves, uh, moving forward with the plan, and, and the calm reserve of Cass and Andor, who has, has been pulling heists against the Empire for a very long time, probably not to this level, not to this scale necessarily. But yeah, I mean, he's been... This is why Luthen... Luthien had, by Luthen had recruited him to to sort of be the calming presence on this team, right? You know, he had Luthen's crew is a bunch of first timers. They've never, never pulled anything off to this scale, uh, to this level. I mean, it, it's it's all new to them. And Andor is there to sort of be the one to see it through. He's the one who has uh, sort of the resolve to finish what is started. Again, there's a lot of elements in play, and, and Andor's not the leader of this team by any stretch. So things have to go into place. Things have to fall correctly. Uh, but but Cassian sort of has the resolve and the will to see it done. Uh, I love having Namek sort of express his his sort of his his view on on you know mercenaryism as as he sees it and as he considers Andor to be one or Clem as as he's still under this alias. Though I do like that uh, Nemec has sort of sussed out that Clem is probably not his real name. Uh, it's just a really insightful conversation between the two characters, and again, it really does put a put a pinhead onto uh, Nemec as as like sort of the ideological dreamer of the of the team. Like he's sort of the one who is. You know, he's writing this manifesto. He's he's expressing these ideas of what has to happen for a galactic rebellion to not only occur but to be successful in the face of overwhelming odds, numbers, and and oppression. And it's it's all very fascinating stuff. And again, this this is a vital moment between these two characters. And as maybe some people suspected and believed, <laughs> we you know. There, there was. I think we talked about it last week. Even there, there, are, there were long odds that everyone was going to make it out of this mission alive, and and and, and I'm not going to lie. In the back of my head, uh, <laughs> when Andor tells him that he'll sleep when this is over, I just sort of took that as like, mm, this is not going to go Nimic's way. Again, the ideal, the the idealist, the dreamer is often the one who uh, uh, sort of becomes a martyr to the cause, and and spoilers that is that's exactly where, where Nemec ends up um, but we will talk about more about Nemec in this episode and, and sort of his ultimate fate and uh, his his role going forward because I do believe he still has one even though he has expired <laughs> but again a great conversation there's a lot to kind of pull apart there and again at Cassian you know I don't think he's totally fond of being viewed of as a mercenary he has just as many stakes in this as anybody else uh, but it's on. It's on. He's there. He he was recruited. He was brought in for a different reason. He needs funds to get away from where he's trying to get. You know, he's, to get away from the the unwanted attention he's brought upon himself while looking for his sister. 
So his goals are a little bit different. He needs that money for, for a very valid reason, at least in his mind. But again, we'll talk about that a little bit more. What I, what I want to mention with, between Andor and Nemec is, like, yes, there is a disparity in the, in the age between them. But I think in the context of, of Star Wars, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to point out that, again, if we go back, you know, we, talk, we talked about it before. They talk about it in Rogue One. Andor, he's been in this since he was six. We saw him on Canari as a child. You know, he's growing up, and or grows up, basically, during the Clone Wars. You know, that's sort of, like, what he knows. He knows war. He knows he knows war, and then he knows oppression and tyranny of the Empire. That's sort of his experience. Uh, Nemec, as a younger person, only knows the Empire, only knows the oppression, the injustice, the tyranny that he's been exposed to. So he, that's why he's sort of the dreamer, because... He can he can fathom a world where these things doesn't didn't exist. He he maybe knows from his parents or from uh, uh, just elder people around him growing up. He probably heard tales of the Republic and in in the peaceful times and when when people had freedoms and they could go about the galaxy doing whatever they wanted. They weren't on planets that got strip mined. They weren't on planets that you know housed garrisons and became star bases and things like that. It, it's um. It, it's an interesting relationship between those two characters because they they. Again, none of them grew up with the Republic as as at least Andor. If, if he grew up during their time of the Republic, it was a very he was a very very small baby, very small baby. So again, sort of interesting to put these two characters together to have a bit of an ideological conversation. I really did like that. Uh, I want to transition to our Imperial counterparts because this is the the scene where we meet Commandant J Hold uh, in the uh, I for, mm, I already already forgot the name of the Imperial engineer who's coming over to take over. He's got some big plans. For Aldhani, a lot of things are going to change, and there's a lot in this conversation to kind of pull apart. But it's kind of a long conversation, so I want to kind of play it in sections. So we'll open up with the first section with with Jayhold uh, discussing and and showing that sort of uh, in, imperial disdain for the natives. Uh, he's openly bragging about how they manipulate them. Uh, it's it's just total air of superiority, elitism. Uh, you know, you could even you can even even tie in the the notion of imperial colonialism into this. If you want to put that mirror up to our, our real world society, you you could put that there and, and look at it in that regards. Uh, but again, just just in in a basic Star Wars level, it, it's just imperial oppression. It's it's you know taking what you want from this planet, the people be damned, and 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 you know force forcibly relocating them so that you can get what you want. There's a lot of things to pull apart here, but you can keep it simple if you need to. But the layers are the, the layers are what make this show so good. So let's go ahead and hear from Jay Hold as he describes the Donny and, and 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 how little regard he holds for them. The Donnies, they're simple people. They breed a sad combination of traits that make them particularly vulnerable to manipulation. On a practical level, they have great difficulty holding multiple ideas simultaneously. We found the best way to steer them as we'd like is to offer alternatives. You put a number of options on the table, and they're so wrapped up in choosing they fail to notice you've given them nothing they thought they wanted at the start. Their deeper problem is pride. The Danis would rather lose. They'd rather suffer than accept. Which is wildly ironic, because they basically choked down everything we've thrown at them these last 12 years. It's a 10-day trek up from the lowlands. We offered them a transport because we know they'll refuse, but then along the way we've placed a series of comfort units. 
shelters and taverns with cheap local beverages. Quite predictably, what began as 500 pilgrims at the bottom has already dwindled down to... Where are we now, Lieutenant? We counted 60 last night, sir. They may pick up some Highland stragglers along the way, but so far it's developing as we'd expected. Not that long ago, they'd put 15,000 out there. Have they any idea this is the last time they'll be allowed up here? No, no, there's no problem in that. We spent the last decade promoting an imperial viewing festival down in the Enterprise Zone. They'll have that going forward. It is the... There you go. We'll pause it right there. Because, again, it's a, it's a big conversation, but... Again, this is, this is sort of the juicy meat of the Andor show that I'm really enjoying, is really just kind of seeing the Imperial machine just rolling over people. Again, not, I'm not saying that I'm enjoying it in that regard, in that, that I, I love seeing people be oppressed and, and the tyranny um, and the suppression of freedoms, but I like that we're getting into the, the sort of the nitty-gritty inner workings and seeing it on a smaller scale, uh, more of a planetary scale, as opposed to the wider galactic conflict of the cinematic films you know we're again we're, we're we're seeing one specific people and how they are being uh just just displaced forced out eradicated at, at the same time because there's got to be that going on and on a very you know they haven't gone outright and said that they're just murdering the people but it's got to be part of the plan right they're they're it's the consequences of what they're doing and they could care less about that you know they're they're getting ready to destroy the sacred valley for the celestial viewing of the eye. Uh, it, it's, it's seeing this, the, the Imperial machine at this level is fascinating to, to see it work. And, and you know, you, you have to wonder about the type of person that becomes involved in these, these sort of enterprises, right? Again, you hear J-Hold refer to profit. There's no profit in, in, in uh, informing the people that they're not going to be allowed here anymore. You know, it, it's not about the people. They could care less about them. They look down at them. They are an inconvenience. They are something to be removed from the equation. And, and, and whatever plan this Imperial engineer now has in store for the area that was the Sacred Valley. Uh, let's, let's hear a little bit more of this Imperial, uh, <laughs> just Imperial fat cats lapping it up. And then uh, going about slurping their coffee. I don't think I've seen this much coffee slurping Star Wars before in my life. And this show loves it. Sacred Valley, is it not? Well, ultimately they will return, won't they, Colonel? Then you need plenty of arms and legs to build all you've got planned. And there you go, slave labor. That's the next plan for the Donnies, right? The, uh, anyone who comes up to the valley, who comes onto Imperial turf, is going to be forced into servitude. And, uh, well... Not a good look. At least, <laughs> at least, you you understand why the why the rebels are are doing these things. That, you know, in a, in a very small scale, you're you're seeing why the rebellion has to happen, right? It's 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 not it's not an abstract concept anymore. You're you're seeing the oppression. You've been here the longest, haven't you, Lieutenant? Yes, sir. Seven years. Will the Darnies let us build our new facility in peace? I don't see them having a choice. And there you go. <laughs> That's just really puts the nail on the head here of, of how little they think of any native population on any planet across the galaxy. Uh, if there's resources they need, this is what the Empire will do to get these resources. Uh, they, they have a Death Star to build. They have other things going on, too. You know, it, it's it, the end of the old EU implied that Palpatine had more super weapons in the works. But at the, at, 
at this point of Star Wars, we know for for a fact a lot of Imperial resources are being diverted to the Death Star. The Death Star construction, uh, Kyber crystal research, all these things are primary objectives of the Empire at this particular moment in time. You know, maybe Thrawn's out there doing his TIE Defender program. That could be happening, too. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, let's let's tie it all together. That's what I'm saying. But, yeah, let's go ahead. And basically after this, I mean, again, we, we sort of establish uh, – the, the evilness of the Empire. We get to spend more time with Kamen and j which is interesting too because we get to spend a little time and see that weird family dynamic he has going on with his wife and his son. And, you know, they seem to be very unhappy on Aldhani. But would they really be happy anywhere? They seem to just want to be... I don't know. Are, are, are they Coruscanti elite? Do they really just want to be back at the center of the universe, center of the center of the galaxy, uh, living that 1% lifestyle? Or um, do they regret their decisions? Do they re- does, does the wife regret... The man that her husband has become, and 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 seeing what they've done on this planet, it it there's more to this dynamic than I like to think. Uh, and the wife and the and the and the son get swept up in in the heist, in the intrigue going on here, and you do you do sort of wonder if they're you know guilty by association, or you know maybe they really don't agree with what's going on here, and they're trying to get away. It doesn't seem like the son likes the father very much; doesn't really care for him. Um, but again, I'm inferring a little bit, uh, and you know, we don't want to speculate too much on that family dynamic, but again, it's interesting to sort of see a family dynamic with an Imperial officer on the, on, the, on this level and, and, and sort of, again, it just sort of forces you to question like, what kind of person is with a person like this? Or was this person different before? Has this person changed? Has, uh, the greed of the empire corrupted them and changed them into somebody unrecognizable to their, to their partner? Again, uh, speculation, but with something to worth worth considering as we as we watch the show, as we sort of meet these characters and see these things play out on the screen, uh, because you know, again, Gorn, our, our Lieutenant Gorn over here, a character who was happily in the Empire for a long, long time, until he saw it, it turned against him in in a, in a horrific way and, and and cost him the woman that he loved, and now he's you know all about getting rid of the Empire on this planet, and and you know again. You would think possibly even joining the rebellion at a, at a later date, if once he sort of exonerates himself from the situation. Just interesting things to consider moving forward. So this next portion of the show is basically the plan coming to fruition. This is this is everyone kind of getting into place. We saw we saw uh, Terramin, we saw Screen, Nemec, and and Cassian preparing for their role as 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 Imperial troopers. They do their part. They blend in with the Donnies as they're making their way up to the celestial viewing temple there in the in the valley that the empire is, is sort of in control of uh we get to see gorn escorting the commandant down and, and doing that ceremonial exchange with the donny people where they exchange the, the the sheepskin uh and it's sort of again the empire sort of does it in a, in a way to sort of mock the donny as a people it's it, you know they don't believe in the custom they don't care for the custom again it's sort of done in, in, in mockery of them um and it's sort of an, it's an interesting exchange. Again, uh, Lieutenant Gorn, the only one who speaks the language, you would assume, because of of his lover that he had taken amongst the people, uh, and and so he acts as the negotiator. And, and, there, and there's a funny moment where the leader of the Donnies is sort of sort of says something, uh, you know, insulting towards the commandant. And of course, Gorn does not not translate it directly, but the leader of the Donny people gives a look like. He, 
maybe he doesn't speak basic, but he definitely understands it. And so he knows that Gorn doesn't tell him what he really said. Um, and it's just sort of a funny exchange. And again, the Commandant is unplussed, nonplussed, unfazed by all of it. Uh, and, and again, it's just an interesting sequence to sort of, again, showing just the complete disregard that the Empire has for uh, the cultures of other beings across the galaxy that they are, you know, that they are the rulers of. They have no time, no interest in other species, cultures, nothing that doesn't pertain to their immediate objective. And again, the, the, you can, the metaphor is there. You can pull it apart in whatever way you want to, whether you want to focus on, uh, uh, you know, colonialism in other countries or in this country. Like it, you can make that metaphor and you can pull that meat off that bone if you want to. It, it does exist and it, it bears examining, but it does, it does depend on, yeah, it's just, it, it's there. I just want to say that it's there. <laughs> and again, I don't want to get into everyone, everyone's politics or their politics, but it's there. It exists. It's on the screen and you can delve into it and acknowledge it and, and, and I don't know, take something from it like I tried to do, uh, or you can ignore it. That, that is completely your business. But I like how the plans come together. We finally get to see what, what Val and Senta, Senta are up to. Uh, we get to see a really nice underwater sequence with them as, as they're making their way across that lake area to the dam that, that the Empire Imperial base is, is, is on, on top of, basically. And uh, it's a really nice shot of them going across the lake with, with, a, with a propulsion device. Uh, and in the beginning of the storm, like the first... A, a comet's rocketing overhead, illuminating the sky and and sort of illuminating the water with them beneath it. Uh, again, a really visually interesting sequence there that uh, that I really really liked. Then it's 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 heist time basically. You know, Valen sent to get into position. They're going to do the comm device jamming, and and that was their portion of the plan. While everyone else is infiltrating the base and taking taking hostages, uh, and doing their best not to kill anyone. It seems like. But that gets foiled pretty quickly when, when that uh, Imperial engineer who's going to be taking over because he's got big plans for the base uh, pulls a gun. And it's, it's sent to descending the stairs the, that, that kills him, eliminates that threat of him. And then they start taking a lot of prisoners. They start tying up Imperials left and right, gagging them. And, and uh, you know, they're a small ragtag team, and they get a lot of prisoners out of this. Uh, but they 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 come, they sort of use them as the laborers to to break into once they have broken into the vault once they have used the commandant's handprint to get into the vault, and they've busted the restraints the straps that hold the the credit the credit reels in place. Uh, they use them as labor to help load up the transport. Um, but it's not a, it's far from a flawless plan plan because again the communications are jammed. But there's people in these stations. They know they know that that means something's going on. Uh, you know, like you know, Imperial is not just going to sit there and be like, oh, I guess the comms are out. I'll start reading a book. No, no, no. That, that sort of alerts them that something's going on. So these Imperials make their way down the stairwell into the uh, into the vault area because there's been an alarm tripped. And you know, again, you could have figured out a plan for that. You could have figured a way to make more of a diversion to draw people's attention away. Um, but this was the plan they had. It seemed like it was going to work okay, but again, there was a lot of there was a lot of X factors. There was a lot of variables that I don't think Vel accounted for, and and you know some Imperials who actually you know do their duty 
<laughs> seemed to be one of them. You know, the the idea of the fat, lazy imperial, you know, being and, and perhaps even being uh, uh, distracted and, and swayed by the by watching the eye, by watching the celestial storm. Uh, I think maybe factored too high into your plans. Like, oh, they would be so taken with that that no one's going to pay attention to what's going on uh, on on the on the com board on the you know on on any signals or alerts. They'll be fascinated by the celestial show in the sky. But that's not the case, because again, it's it's a heist, and in most heist movies, something's got to go wrong. So yes, Imperial stumble across the scene, and uh, shenanigans ensue. A lot of our heroes, a lot of our rebels, go down. Uh, Lieutenant Gorn, possibly killed. Tamarian, definitely killed. <laughs> uh, screen, uh, screen doesn't do a very good job of giving him some cover fire, so he gets taken out. Uh, uh, but they're going to make off with a bunch of credits. There's so many credits. That's one of the things that in this vault that really surprised me. I was like, I was like wow, that is a ton of Imperial credits. How are they going to get all this on to their transport and get out of there before somebody figures it out? I mean, you don't, you know, you don't have all day to load these things up. But, they, I mean, they make off with a good haul. They really, really do. And, again, there's, there's one bit. I want to go back a little bit because it's as Senta and Vel are descending and joining up with the team – and, and preparing to uh, get down into the vault room with the Commandant uh, J-Hold, that uh, another excellent line of dialogue is spoken on the show, and I want to play it for all you wonderful people. And actually, just before this clip starts, uh, you'll, you'll hear the, the tail end of, of some of the celebration going on with the Donnie people, which, again, an, an, element, an element of the show that I wanted to include uh, mentioning, because, again, it's just kind of neat seeing more cultural expression by some by by the various peoples of the Star Wars galaxy, it's not something we've gotten to dive a, lo, uh, a lot into. Uh, we got to sort of get a, get a taste of it uh, in in that the, what was it the second or third episode of Book of Boba Fett when we were hanging out with the Tuscans, uh, and and I really like seeing more of the cultures that exist in in the Star Wars galaxy. It's a rich galaxy, uh, but you know we we live in a cinema TV show driven medium for for Star Wars right now, and and. To get to see it explored in these mediums is a little bit more uh, enriching than than having it in in a book or a comic, which again I, I appreciate and I love the books and the comics. But putting it out there for everyone else to see, I think, is a really neat thing. So yeah, you're gonna hear tail end of that, but then you get a nice nice bit of conversation here. Not conversation is the right word, but but Vel ordering J Hold and and what's gonna happen next. <laughs> You do everything they tell you. Just what are you after? You'll be taking us to the payroll vault. That's insane. Or we die together. I can't open the vault. Time to... Falling behind. Go, we'll finish. Didn't you hear me? I don't control the vault. It's on a code from the airbase. It's done remotely. Keep lying and it'll be a short night for you. We know about the vault and how it works. We need your hand to key the sensor. We can take just that if you prefer. You'll never make it out. You're about to pray we do. You have no idea. One path, one choice. We win or everyone dies. Starts now. Boom. That's pretty great, right? <laughs> I, I love that whole sequence. That was really fantastic. And Vel just really lays it down on everybody. Uh, it's, it's good stuff. And again, it is interesting to note them taking hostages. They, they seem to be uh, not quite willing to cross the line of just mowing down Imperials. Uh, it, it is sort of an interesting distinction between... Uh, the open warfare that we get, you know, post Scarif, I, I think is probably the easiest way to put that. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting uh, bit of dialogue there. And and 
again, at this point, Jay holds, you know, he's, he's, I think he's beginning to scratch his head wondering, well, wait, why do they have all this information? Why do they know how the vault works? How does this work? And of course, it'll be revealed later as, as Gorn comes down to find that they're still there, that Gorn has betrayed Jay Hold and the Imperials. And, and he seems rather uh, flummoxed by the whole situation. Uh, another situation, another element to Jay Holds is, is that he's put to work. He's manning these, these carts. He's moving the credits around. And he is a big, girthy dude. He is the Imperial Fat Cat personified, right? And, and, and so what happens when uh, the Fat Cat is, is put to work? He has a heart attack. <laughs> Does he die? Not, not known yet. But... Doesn't look good for him, and in, 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 as he collapses to the floor right before all the shooting starts, as the imperial, as the uh, the aware imperials make their way down that stairwell and, and and question what's going on in the vault room as they're watching a uh, a freighter be loaded with all their monies, and <laughs> and the, yeah, and then again, that's when the action starts. The the the, the plan's gone a bit awry, and our rebels are in trouble. So let's go ahead and play the moment when Gorn reveals himself to be the one who has uh, betrayed the Empire and, and hear Jay Holt's reaction to it. Quick talking and get pushing. Close it down. Let's go. Last call. You'll hang for this. Seven years serving you. I deserve worse than that. Are we... Wow. And that just goes to the level of atrocities that he has perhaps committed in J-Hole's name, or at least at the very least borne witness to under, under J-Hole's orders as, as the Donnie have been, again, forcibly relocated, and probably many of them were killed in the process. Uh, and then Gorn just, he's not going to put up with that any longer. What happens next? I, I, this is such a small thing in the show, but it's one of those detail elements that I just love so much. We switch over to the airbase, right? We get to go to the airbase that's just adjacent that we know is uh, uh, just waiting. Something's going on. It, it's the Al, um, Al-Kazini Air Command, where all the TIE fighters are. And it, again, it's something so simple, but this is really small detail. This really small element that I just loved seeing. And it was, it was a TIE fighter pilot running across a gangway, descending the ladder, opening the top hatch to his TIE fighter, and climbing in. Such a simple sequence. But it, to me, it, it is just everything. <laughs> it is just an everything sequence that I've always wanted to see. I'm just like, oh, man, I want to see. I, and it's one of the things I didn't really know I wanted to see. But it's just a piece of, 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 of that Star Wars viscera that I want to be exposed to. And, I, again, a tiny moment. And, and uh, maybe most people didn't, didn't think much of it. I dug it so much. I love seeing the Air Command. I love seeing these TIE pilot, pilots getting their, their ships ready, departing from the airbase. Uh, I, I just loved it. I, I could not get enough of that sequence. So now we'll go ahead and play the moment. Again, the tension's ratcheting up. The time, the click, the, the clock is ticking. They, they, got, they gotta go. They gotta go. They gotta move. They gotta move. The air, they know the airbase response is coming. Again, something to be, to be a bit of a flaw in their, in their plan is they know they can't jam the communications to the airbase. It's like a separate line, a separate channel or something like that. And they, so that they know the airbase is going to be informed when there is a communication issue. So the clock is ticking. They know it's inevitable. They have to move. And now they're already a little bit behind schedule. And now they're about to be really behind schedule. Let's go ahead and play this. And again, the tension is mounting like crazy at this point in the show. You're off your post, Corporal. Sorry, sir, but... This is a classified mission and you're not cleared to be here. 
Commandant? Tell him, sir. Tell him he needs to leave. Sir? I am giving you a direct order, Corporal! What is going on here? So that's when the Commandant uh, has his heart attack, or at least passes out, or whatever kind of medical condition he has develops. And that allows Corporal Kesey to believe that something is amiss and begin opening fire on these alleged Imperials that are loading up a uh, freighter with all his monies, all his payrolls. He wants to get paid on Fridays too, don't we all? But this is when the action really gets crazy. Things, blasters going off. Again, the TIE fighters rocketing towards the base. And you have the, the eye, the celestial storm overhead, the, the Donnie people embrace, uh, breaking down their celebrations of that. All these things happening at once, it creates this, this beautiful cacophony on the show uh, as the tension just escalates and escalates. And you, you start to wonder, like, okay, are, is everyone making it out? Who's going to die? Who's going to sacrifice themselves to save the day? Uh, and it's, it's a really just intense sequence. A Andor gets himself into some trouble. Uh, and it's 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 uh, Nemec who's the one who who saves him from getting choked out by some big imperial dude. Uh, it it and it, now we get to the, the parts with the ship, and ooh, I'm gonna find a nice sound clip for you right here, okay? So you have the harrowing escape from the base, the the freighter launching up into the celestial storm into the eye, and it's freaking gorgeous. It's an incredible looking shot. It's fantastic, and I love the speed burst, like the ship shooting through that tunnel when the engines kick on and everyone flying back. The Imperials flying backwards from being able to even even fire a shot, pursue. They're just blown back by the engine blast, and of course, our 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 heroes are not strapped in. Other than Andor and the pilot seat, he tells them to hang on. But that thrust is a lot. So so Vel, Screen, and Nemec go flying backwards, and Nemec finds himself in a really bad spot uh, because not all of the loot is locked down, and he gets himself a bit crushed between. Uh, two pieces, two massive pieces of, of uh, imperial credits, and again, you can make the metaphor: the weight of money, right? The the one percent crushing the the ninety nine rest of ninety nine percent of us left over. Uh, there, there, there's metaphor to be pulled on that one too. The, the acquisition of wealth, greed, all these things crushing on people. It's all there. It's it. You can pull it apart for yourselves. It exists in this show. But let's go ahead and play this moment here. It, it, it's a little hectic. It's a little, it's a little frantic as they are trying to get uh, Nemec fr uh, uh, unpinned from between the uh, crates of, of Imperial credits. Oh, no, no! Uh, I can't feel my legs. I can't. I can't feel my legs. Nemec, can you hear me? So Nemec is in a bad spot, but he still has a vital role to play on this ship. Uh, he is the one who's charting the path of of the eye. Like he knows basically where the comets are and, and how to get around them, how to plot a course, an escape vector uh, around the celestial storm so that they can make it through without getting destroyed. Uh, they know the Imperial, the Empire is in pursuit. TIE fighters coming up quick behind them. And uh, you know, again, we talked about it before. Nemec's going to perish. He's not going to be able to be saved. Uh, and you sort of wonder, Vel's actions here, do they have a role to play? Because they shoot him up with some, with some space adrenaline, I guess, because uh, he still has to do his part here to get them out of this situation or they're going to get shot down. 
at the, at the best case scenario is they get shot down and killed in the crash. Worst case, they survive and then they're going to get strung up somewhere and uh, that's not going to be very good for anybody. And because they could possibly expose, expose Luthen and, and, you know, whatever other agents are, are conspiring against the Empire at this point. So Nemec has to do his part and, and, and Val giving him that space adrenaline. Uh, maybe it has it maybe it taxes his system too much so that a recovery for him is is just not going to be in the cards but we don't know that that is speculation but something to consider and, and and sort of the um the burden of leadership right like you know you care for this person you want to you want the people on your team to survive here but you got to get out of the situation you're in first you know and we we saw that with for andor in rogue one similar situations and and so a lot of echoes to that time uh, and as they're making their escape, there is a moment. And it's one of those moments that if you're not tuned in, it could fly right past you. It could fly right past you and, until you realize that it slaps you in the face. And, it's, and it slapped me in the face so hard uh, because it, it, it took a second for it to dawn on me. But they, Vel and Skeen drag Nemec up into the cockpit uh, he's got his his data recording device, whatever it is that the instrument that he's using uh, to to track the storm, uh, and he's his he's telling Andor to climb. Whose last words were "climb" to Andor? K two S O, my friends, and so it it kind of got me in a mo- in a weird way. Uh, again, you you don't know that that Nemec's gonna die at this point, but there you have a strong suspicion that things aren't looking good for him. Uh, and 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 what what ultimately proved to be one of his last words to 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 Andor. Climb, uh, and and I want to play that moment for you. Let me cue it up. All right, let's go ahead and play the sequence. Here we go. Climb, climb. Look at the window. Climb, move, climb now. What did you give him? I'm back here. I don't have the speed to make it. And now you want me to climb? sound effects in that clip <laughs> so i hope that wasn't too loud for everybody didn't blow anybody's eardrums out but that is the harrowing escape from aldhani by our ragtag team of rebels and and yeah again nemec's final words uh, ultimately and when one of those last ones is climb like k2so it, it kind of hits you it, it kind of hit me got me Woo! got me got me got me but now that they're in the clear they got to know what's going on next uh, no one's told Andor where they're supposed to go, uh, and Nemec is in need of serious medical attention, and Skeen is insistent that they 
they do the contingency. Let's check it out. I need to know where we're going. Is he still with us? Yeah. You disappointed? That's not fair. Where are we heading? She wants to bail on him. He's dying. You don't know that. There's a doctor. We have it built into the contingency. She doesn't want to jeopardize the mission. This kid, I mean... This kid is the reason that we are here. He is alive. How do we get to the doctor? So Andar makes the decision for everybody that they're going to save Nemec and go to the doctor. They go to Dr. Quadpaw. That's his cool name. As a doctor, he's got four arms. Quadpaw. Pretty on brand. I dig it. <laughs> um, uh, and we, we will realize very soon that Skeen is not being altruistic here. Uh, maybe we suspected in the past that, uh, that Skeen maybe was not all we thought he'd be. But he has a reason for wanting them to go to the med to see this doctor to try and save Nemec. And that's because Skeen's got a bit of him, a little plan himself. And let's go ahead and check that out. You want to guess how much is in there? Eighty million, give or take. What'd you tell me? You want to win and walk away. Well, forty million apiece. Don't tell me you haven't thought about it. See, I can't fly the trawler, but I do have a safe place we can hole up. Between the two of us, we could be the winners here. It's an our rebellion for you. Oh, I'm a rebel. It's just, uh... Me against everybody else. Where would that put me? 40 million credits is enough for me to forget all about you. Your brother? With the orchard? I don't have a brother. So just leave them here. Don't play the high mind with me. You're not here to save anybody but yourself. I saw the first minute you came into camp, you're just like me. We were born in the hole and all we know is climbing over somebody else to get out. There's a moon eight parsecs from here with nobody home. Put that thing down, catch our breath, split up the winnings. Absolutely loved Andor's decisive action with this. Just putting Skeen down right then, right there. No questions asked. No hesitation. Uh, very Han Solo-esque. <laughs> he shot first by a lot. And, and... Uh, Again, sort of, I sort of love his his decision to do this—the quick reaction, sort of the the, the idea, the, the 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 disgust. I think that Andor has for the, for this this villain to step forward now. Uh, the, you know, Nemec on a table dying, uh, and now he he wants to rob them. He wants to uh, uh, cut them out. The the rebellion meant nothing to him. He lied. He told stories. He was brought on this team uh, so that he could uh, 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 undermine them all. Uh, and, and and steal the money for himself and and be be the selfish um, 
person that he truly is in the galaxy. And he's willing to cut Andor in because he thinks Andor is much the same way. Again, we saw in the last episode, they have uh, a, a similar past history. And Skeen accidentally misreads that situation. Thanks him think he's the same kind of person that he is. Uh, and we know that Andor, again, he's a bit of a con man at this point. He's a thief. He's a, he's a liar. He's a smuggler. But we know who he's going to become. And, and that's, you know, a guy who's going to put it all on the line for the rebellion. Uh, so now he's going to transition. He's going to go in. He's going to try and tell Vel what's going on. She's not going to believe him. Nemec's pass on the table. Um, and all he wants is what was promised to him by, by, by Luthen. And, again, Vel doesn't really know what to do with this situation. But let's go ahead and check out this final conversation between these two for this episode. I'll give you 30,000 credits for the ship in the barn. That's twice what it's worth. Excuse me. Where's Skeen? 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 He's dead. He wanted to take the money and leave you here. He wouldn't do that. You're gonna have to think about that. You disgusting bastard. Taramin warned me. I'm taking my cut. The number I was promised. I'm leaving you the freighter and what's inside. I did my job. I'm done. And I wouldn't stick around if I were you. Return this to your friend. Wait. Nemec's manifesto. He said to give this to you. I don't want it. He insisted. All right. So Andor takes the manifesto and he's off. He's going to take his cut. And again, I like this conversation. It's it's really fascinating, and it, it turns really quickly here, because Vel is really willing to believe that Andor is the bad guy here. They never trusted Ter Terramin. Said not to trust him. Terramin's dead. But which, by the way, we find out Terramin used to be a stormtrooper. So we, we would, that would have been fun to know a bit more about his backstory. Maybe he's not dead, dead. But being <laughs> being left behind on that Imperial base probably is not going to work out well. Senta's also left back on the base too. So we'll see what her fate's ultimately to be. Perhaps, um, but yeah, yeah. So, so Val willing to believe Andor the bad guy, uh, and until he offers back the the blue kyber, return it, return it to as as he says, return it to your friend, i.e., to Luthen. And I think that is sort of what tells her that it's not about the money; that he's not about to rob the rebels now. Um, I, I think it shows if if Cassian's not at least an, if if he's not an honorable man, he's at least a man of his word. And I think that, that helps sway the conversation a little bit so that she does kind of start to believe the Skeen would do what he did. Uh, and then she imparts the manifesto to Cassian as he makes his way out. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But now, now we catch up with the rest of our cast uh, for, this, for, for the, the, our primary characters that we follow through the show. You know, we cut, we cut to Coruscant. We cut to uh, ISB agent Deidre Mero running through the hallways with a lot of other ISB agents as they move into the meeting room because something has a crime has been committed against the Empire, and now it's all hands on deck. It is a... Uh, there is going to be fallout from this, and they are, they, these agents, the ISB agents, are going to swoop into action here to uh, 
ascertain, diagnose, the, the whole thing that they told us they were going to do. Like, they're going to get to the bottom of this and figure out what's going on here. And I would assume Deidre Marrow is going to be the one to start connecting all the dots here. And that our good friend uh, Cyril Kern is going to come into play as the one who knows who Andor is and, and put a face to a lot of these, these, these plots that are being hatched against the Empire. Uh, we also check in with Mon Mothma, who is, again, uh, in the Senate, a, a very sparsely attended Senate hearing uh, where she's ar- arguing for the people that she referred to back in like episode two, who just had their trade routes uh, you know, cut and blockaded. Um, she's arguing for them, but no one's paying attention. Something's been happening. People are the, the few senators that are there in the chamber are leaving. They're putting up their data pads. They're, they're reading things, and they're, they're running out of the building. So no one's listening to her plead her case for this new bill to help these people that are about to starve to death. Uh, and until she looks at the screen and figures out what's going on, and then we cut. We cut to Luthien's shop as he, as they're there, he's doing his his day job, right? He's selling wares to the the the, the upper crust of Coruscant society, and uh, somebody makes an offhand comment about, "Hey, do you have any uh, sweet artifacts from Aldhani?" And he's taken aback by that comment at first, and sort of suspicious, and then it's it's uh, you know just the guy with the data pad, and the guy just. Read about they launched an attack against the Imperials on Aldhani. And, you know, he meant it as a joke. But but Luthen goes like, oh, let me go check in the back. And that's when he begins to laugh and then celebrate that that the plan has been enacted. Something has happened. And he may not know the exact results of it just yet. But a, a blow has been struck against the Empire as he wished it to be. And we again, the fallout from that. What's next for the for the rebels, for, for Cassian, for, for Luthen, for... For Vel, perhaps, and and Cinta. I mean, there, there's still some characters on the board here from the Aldhani heist that we have to kind of see if they if they have a role in the show moving forward or not. Uh, but you would imagine at some point, Luthen will track down Andor, and and they will come in contact with each other. What's going to be interesting to me, what I want to posit for you fine listeners out there, as I have gone way over my my talking point time. I thought this was be a short episode, and and here we are. Um. The manifesto given to Cassian. Is this what, what, what prods Cassian to declare for the rebels? Is this what, 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 what sways him over? Is this what, you know, reading this manifesto, does, does this sort of alter his perspective on his place in the galaxy and, and his role in, in, in the battle against injustice and oppression and tyranny? Um, I would say it's going to have something to do with it, and I wouldn't be too shocked if at some point in the next episode, uh, Cassian returns the money, his cut, to the Rebels. Does a little Han Solo move, perhaps. I don't know. Well, Han didn't return the money. It was stolen. But it depends on which continuity you want to read, too, because there, there's been some contradictory stuff there. But <laughs> Han was supposed to pay some debts. He didn't pay him off, and then the money got stolen, so he was still in debt. But I think Cassian again. He's gonna make the Han Solo hero turn, right? Like, stop being the rogue, start being the the, the good guy. Uh, that's sort of what I meant by that. Not so much with the money, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Cassian were to to return a big chunk of that change to the cause. Now, you know, maybe this is Cassian's moment where he becomes the true believer. And I'm gonna leave you with that thought here uh, as we move forward, because again, I went way over what I expected for this episode. I thought it'd be much more of a straightforward, like, hey, there's so much action in the show. Just watch it. There's not that much to talk about. Um, I was wrong. Did it again. Oops, I did it again. (laughs) Sorry, folks. Uh, 
Oh, uh, well, if you know me by now, you know that it happens. But this was a long episode of the show, so I guess there was more to get into. Uh, but I do want to give you final reminders. Uh, first of all, thank you once again for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Hope you've been enjoying the Andor coverage. Uh, new, old listeners, you're always welcome back, and I'm so glad you're here. Uh, make sure you're following us on social media. We're at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing, and following the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. If you have the time and the inclination, five-star reviews, they help us defeat imperial oppression and tyranny uh, because they, they help us fight the algorithm, and the algorithm hates us. So thank you so much for doing that. If you would like to become an official member of Buckethead Nation, if you want to become a Mandovision maniac, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Mandovision. You can main, gain, uh, hang out with your fellow maniacs and gain access to sweet, sweet, sweet bonus content. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspinel Chody, the Batman Abejo, Jeff Nail. Jeff's got a great podcast called Ring in Ear. Check it out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squid Master General Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Holly Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pariah Brewing Company in Baltimore, Maryland. You can order it online. Do it. Do it. Get the beer sent to your house. It's easy. The Beer Hop Burrito General, Jesus Beer Hops, the silent assassin, he who should not be named, Syndicate Ram, co-host of Come On, It's Still Good, a great movie and TV show podcast that I recommend very, very highly to all of you. All right, we're going to be back very soon for Episode 7 of Andor. Think about what I mentioned. Is, is next week the episode? Does Andor uh, uh, declare for the Rebels? We'll find out. Stay tuned. All right, Bucketheads, you know what that means. It's time. This show can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I find that answer vague and unconvincing.